You're listening to Talk Jive Radio. I'm Kelly. And I'm Thomas III. We're them damn Indians. Had to take care of a couple of little requests. Got everybody grooving and moving and chilled out. And it's lunchtime now, and all I can think about is fry bread. Way to go. Different different ways to eat fry bread. <laughs> feel like uh feel like Bubba on Forrest Gump, just talking about all the different ways to eat fry bread. <laughs> I am so mad at you. This alien in my stomach is about to break out and kill you right now. Fry bread and corn soup. Fry bread and beans. Oh, fry bread and fry beans. Fry bread and chili. Fry bread. <laughs> just fry bread with a little yeah. bit of salt on it. Fry bread and a hamburger patty. Mm. And another piece of fry bread. Oh, my gosh. Hamburger <laughs> gravy. Oh, yeah. Hamburger gravy on fry bread. Yeah. Kidney gravy on fry bread. Ooh, that kidney gravy, that goes harder. If you ain't never had kidney gravy, yeah, that's a good one there. See, mm. so so thanks for making me all hangrier and everything. Yeah. Um, and because because of that and because I'm so err right now, um, I do have to mention this. And this is just, a, please understand how temporary this is, but the crow's nest will be on hiatus until the first week of October. Uh, Dr. Crow has a lot of things that he's having to take care of at USAO with all hey, of the... we can play the, some best of. Oh, man. So, yeah, we, we need to... We're going to do that and uh, replay some of his uh, more... Uh, Maybe some of his predictions. I was going to say more Man. of his prophetic uh, <laughs> things. Because he says some crazy stuff sometimes, and, and, and it just kind of... Um, kind of comes true you know yeah some of the some of the things are far-fetched too so um so yeah we're we're gonna play uh some of the uh some of the older uh replay some of the older episodes and give dr crow a chance to do what he needs to do at usao for his students and um you know get everything lined out uh like that i know that they are really busy trying to accommodate all of their students right now at usao and uh so he'll be back on the first week of october so never fear and and you know of course it comes at this time where i can't talk to him about kamala harris and how everybody is lose there's people who are losing their minds good and bad like, you know, people are people on a lot of the Democrats and especially a lot of women, a lot of women of color. I mean, and even myself, I, I watched it. Of course, I watched that last night. That's that's history that we we saw with our very own eyes. And she was more likable at that point. But I think what's making me want to support her, especially her even more, is this crazy outrage like people are saying she's not black because her dad's from jamaica <laughs> yeah uh, like i think i don't know wait, how that what? works yeah uh, how do you i don't understand the logic like this this idea that white people believe that they can tell um tell you if you're black enough or not um they can tell you uh, if if you've ever uh, if you've ever experienced racism or um, if you've ever been uh, offended, I mean, that, yeah, offended any kind of, any of that kind of stuff, they have this idea that they can tell you what you're what what you're supposed to be. And and all right, for example, if there's a, a kid that's half black and half Indian. And he grows up with his Indian family, dances, goes in POD meetings, sweats, all that kind of stuff. Anybody sees him on the street, 
that's a black kid. That's a black guy. Automatically. That's what they see him as. It doesn't matter what they've grown up with or whatever. That's what they're viewed as. That's what when when if they decide that um they're gonna call in something, that's a black male. If if in the report. Yeah, you in know. In the what official I mean? report. Yeah, that's what it's gonna be. You know what I mean? It's not it doesn't matter what you feel like or how you grew up. And that, and it was the argument with, with Colin Kaepernick that, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't know what oppression is because he grew up with that rich white family. I would think that would give him a front row seat to it, especially, I mean, can you imagine high society rich white people? How they treated, like how they probably treated him and like. I what mean, they said about him to their children, to each other. Oh, uh, yeah. The little behind the back snickering and you know all, all that. that kind of stuff i mean yeah um the, and and that's what's so crazy is like there's this there's this idea that that white people think that they still have the authority to make all those decisions they get to tell you what's offensive they get to tell you how to feel all that kind of stuff and see the the thing about it is you can't and and nobody's taking it anymore. And and that's what's so frustrating to them because these old white guys who everybody has always just taken their word at, you know, as gospel, nobody gives a shit about their opinion on this. And they're like, why why isn't somebody listening to what about the white people? You know, and it's like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Oh yeah, you know we don't mean? care anymore. Yeah, nobody's it's, it's nobody's listening that, to your bullshit. I mean, I, I care about our allies. I care about the people who care about us. But on a larger on that larger community scale, you are right. I mean, we are not we are completely underrepresented. We continue to be underrepresented and we continue to to exist on that on that plane where, and, and just, just as women, as women, we've always, well, what are you doing? Well, what are you doing here? And just all of this, always this implication of, oh, these hysterical women. Oh, they're going to hold up the process. Oh, they're going to, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Oh, she doesn't understand. I wish she would just be quiet. Mm-hmm. And I think that our native women, we're finally finding our voices across our tribes we're finally being able to participate and express in a, ourselves in a meaningful way that's that's hopefully going to uh, help push our people forward I think this is the this is the uh, the probably the most positive thing that's come out of Facebook or social media in general is that everybody has a voice you know yeah people, some people have a, a louder voice than others because they have more followers, they have more people paying attention, that kind of thing. But you're starting to see because there there doesn't have to be any um any kind of 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 capitalist machine behind it to 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 get your attention. See, social media is where all you have to do is have a friend of a friend of a friend share it and they, they share it and they share it and all of a sudden, you see something that you normally wouldn't have seen because it's not sponsored ads. It's not from the person on ESPN or the person that's the official spokesman for the White House or any of that kind of shit. There's no PR firm behind any of it. You know, these are there's we have access 
directly to grassroots messages now that we never had unless you were there in that community before. Right. And and that's the problem. That was the problem with a lot of grassroots movements is that the you unless you were in those communities, you couldn't really you couldn't really empathize and you could you didn't even really know that was a thing. Like, you know, at the time when it was just building other communities probably could have been building the same thing, but that that it wasn't available. Like just the thought process wasn't available to them yet. And it takes time for that to spread for, for once they hear about, Oh man, you know, something happened like, like aim, you know, take aim for instance, you know, that was a, a small movement that started there in Minnesota and it just steadily grew and grew and, and, a lot of people still didn't, you know, in Indian country, you might have heard a little bit about AIM, but, you know, in Indian country, it's just kind of kind of small. Everybody kind of hears about everything. But it wasn't until you see them take over, you know, take over Alcatraz and they have the standoff at Wounded Knee and all this stuff. Then it got national attention. And then we're militant Indians all over again. And then you wonder how many how many of those Indians were in other cities or on some reservation or whatever that that would have been down with that movement had they known about it before all that went down. And then they're like, oh, man, I didn't even know about that. Fast forward to Standing Rock. Yeah. Let's fast forward to Standing Rock on on that point and how so any even Indians that weren't there were checking in there oh, to yeah. to you know kind of use that that technology yeah. to throw just off to, all of yeah, this just other just to mess with yeah. it. Yeah. And so I and and it's like we talked about earlier, you know, Indians we we are fascinating and we are um we are um, we just catch on to things really fast. We have to. We have oh, yeah. to adjust. Adapt to survive. We have to. When we do it, I feel like we do it a lot faster. That's what we've always done, though. You know, adapt to survive, no matter what, what comes, what changes, what you know, what's going on. Um, we we adapt to survive. I mean, that's just that's just how we are. So, you know. Our survivability is is uh, pretty high considering everything that we've been through already. That's true, and we just I think that now is the time to be involved, um, especially as we see women of color and Indian women. Um, and I realize that Kamala Harris is Indian American. I'm talking about American Indian women. I'm talking about our natives like Sharice Davids and Deb Holland. And there are a few others now who are in the, the you know, going to be in the house. Aboriginal North Americans. That's right. And so I think that this is a really important time for women in, in our in our society, and I think that we really need to lend our voices as Native women to what's going on around us, especially in these times of COVID where where things are so precarious and we know that our leadership on a large scale, on a national scale, does not care about us. Um, later on, 
We're going to talk about um, the United States Postal Service. Um, we are proponents of the Postal Service. We support the Postal Service. It's a service. It's not supposed to make money or a profit. So it's, I don't. I don't know why that's a thing. Constitutionally designated service. Uh, yeah, and so we're going to talk about <laughs> that a little bit later, and how. The United States Postal Service busted Steve Bannon. Everybody remember Steve Bannon? Mm. Yeah, they busted him for fraud. Mm. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. Like it'll it. tease it. Very exciting. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're indigenous, we're independent, and we are them damn Indians at Talk Jive Radio.